What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. This is Pete, and today we're going to go into a lot of local issues and then one more national issue that we've touched on in the past regarding our our budget, our federal deficit, and what needs to be done about that. And in a way, I'm going to be calling out the president regarding uh, I, I mean, I'm going to praise him in some regards, and I'm also going to call him out because there's been a double standard. I understand with most politicians, there tends to be a double standard when it comes to what they say on different issues. But this is an issue that's going to be crucially important to us as a country, especially younger generations from Gen X downward. We're really going to probably have to deal with the ramifications of our building and building and building national debt. But for those of you who are new to the program, welcome. Again, my name is Pete. This is the Empire State Conservative Network podcast. And this podcast is for folks in New York State, or maybe you used to live in New York State, who are sick and tired of how the state is being run. You know, it's gone very blue, especially after the last election back in November. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. We have another shot to undo a lot of the damage we did electorally in 2020. And I'm going to go into a couple of things that really don't bode well for us as a state and why it's important that we get out and we vote heading into 2020. But for starters, let's go into uh, a thing that came out from Suffolk County here on Long Island, where I'm from. So according to News 12, and this has been all over the news as of the last couple of days, two Suffolk election officials and two GOP leaders were accused of election fraud. So in East Hampton, uh, the town Republican chairman, his name is Amos Goodman, he allegedly submitted nomination petitions, um, primarily for Republican candidates and then a couple for independent candidates from a minimum of 43, 43 forged signatures. And one of the signatories that was forged was that of a dead person. <laughs> so definitely not a good situation. And again, there were three other GOP-related local politicians on Long Island and, and officials who were involved in this as well, but no candidates who this was done for. So this seemed to be primarily on the shoulders of the folks who actually um, carried out these forgings. Uh, it had nothing to do with the candidates, at least the investigation didn't go back to any candidates on the GOP or independent side, which is a good thing. It shows that, well, yes, there was most likely fraud here, uh, that this was committed solely on the basis of these folks probably trying to garner a few more votes, knowing that um, their particular towns, villages were not going to go in favor of the Republican or independent nomination. And this guy, Goodman, who was the worst offender of the four, he resigned from his post last week and East Hampton's town board refuses to comment on that. So with all we've heard, you know, I know Justin's mentioned it and it's true. Um, there are a lot of things circulating, especially in California. I believe seven different state elections were flipped because of voter fraud and there's nothing we can do about it. And a lot of folks on the conservative side tend to be the moral arbiters, right? They like knowing uh, that, yes, we, we are morally superior, while the left thinks it's morally superior. Um, they like to base their policy on, on emotion and not so much on fact. And they don't do a good job of looking back at history, seeing how certain policies have not benefited the societies in which they were enacted. In fact, they were very much to the detriment of those societies. They're trying to push across socialist welfare agendas that are going to do nobody any good. So when the shoe's on the other foot and we're responsible at a local level 
for election fraud. That's not a good look. And again, fortunately, none of the candidates who's, you know, who had forged signatures and petitions for actually ended up being involved. Uh, it's still not a good look for the party. Now, the Democrats for years have stooped to new all-time lows to try to get their people elected to reverse outcomes at local, state, and federal elections, and we can't stoop to that same level. So I'm glad that these people are being investigated. This particular guy, Goodman, is going to be in court on February 6th, early in 2019, to see what's going to happen, but we can't be involved in this type of situation. I do think we need to be more vigilant as conservatives, both as citizens and also as maybe elected officials or politicians in making sure that there is a fair democratic process at the local level. Because while we do not live in a democracy, the local and state elections, for the most part, especially here in New York State, they are democratically elected. So it's very important that the democratic process is actually seen through and that the appropriate people are voting to office, whether they're for us or they're against us in terms of conservatism and actually enacting good, solid policy. But we can't have our own officials committing fraud because then we're no better than them. And I hate to say that one side is better than the other uh, and that one group of people is better than another group of people, but in this instance, it really is true. I think most liberals and leftists, they don't really know too much about policy or history. They rely on mainstream news sources and they rely on CNN and NBC to tell them how they should feel and how they should view particularly particular issues in policy and in our society. But in the grand scheme of things, they're wrong. And if they have a little bit of wiggle room in their mind, if they're not too stubborn, if they're not too indoctrinated, if you just have a nice civil discussion with them, you don't point fingers, you don't yell at them, you don't make them feel bad, but you say, hey, look, I understand where you're coming from, but here's the reality of why this proposed policy and why this lawmaker specifically is probably going to do more harm than good. I've had these discussions with friends and family members who are on the left, and in many cases, I've been able to change their mind. And in the case where I haven't been able to change their mind, I at least gave them an alternative viewpoint that they weren't aware of. And that's what this society, what America is all about. We should be able to go across the aisle, not just in Congress or, or in federal government or state government, but also to our friends and to our family and to our neighbors and be able to have civil dialogue about these things because a lot of these policies do affect us. And I'm going to get into a couple in a second that are going to affect people at the state level. So for starters, Senator Kevin Parker introduced a bill on November 30th to give law enforcement access to online search. So on Google, Bing, and I forget the other search engine and social media history on your Twitter, on your Instagram, on your Snapchat, on your Facebook for the last three years. And this is going to be something that has to be done before a weapons delivery is made. So you go to a licensed dealer. You're not doing anything sneaky or under the table. You're just purchasing a firearm. Everything checks out. One of the other things they're going to have you do is give over your social media and search engine passwords. You know, with Google, for example, you usually have a Gmail account associated with your Google so that you can so that remembers your search history and stuff, which isn't a great thing, but we don't have to get into that right now. So they're going to look through three years worth of your stuff. So when asked whether this law threatened, you know, the first, the second, the fourth, and the fifth amendments, um, the constitutional limits on government power, um, Senator Parker was quoted as saying, 
at, quote, ask the families of the people who were murdered in Pittsburgh if they thought it would be too far, too far to make sure that the murderer didn't get his hands on a dangerous weapon. Okay. Again, when it comes to leftist arguments on social issues, I understand the rationale behind it and the emotion. I don't well, actually not the rationale, but the emotion behind it. You hate seeing these public shootings, these terrible acts of hate filled violence that take the lives of people who are undeserving of having their lives taken completely on board with it. I think everybody in America, aside from the very few sociopaths there are, can agree that that's how we feel. That being said, any type of legislation like that, you know, given the lack of uh, regulation on long guns, uh, Parker's law is probably going to take away rifles, shotguns, and things like that, and that's going to make acquiring a firearm much more difficult. Um, we do already have a background check process when you go to a licensed dealer. They do perform a background check on you to make sure that you aren't a violent criminal and, and to make sure that nothing kooky is going on with you. And obviously, yes, there's always going to be killers and mass murderers who slip through the cracks in these cases. But this is really an insane violation of privacy. I know that these social media platforms and these search engines are already just taking data from our posts, from things that we like and comment on and share, and things that we search for on things like Google and Bing. But that doesn't mean that we should just hand over all of our private data and information to these people to look through the last three years. Because I'm sure, like with myself, I'm fully willing to admit it, we've all looked up a few unsavory things in the last few years thinking that they were just private things that we were looking up, whether it was for a sexual fetish or whatever the case may be. Law enforcement does not need to know that about you, and that should have no bearing whatsoever on your God-given and Second Amendment right to have a firearm. So this is terrible. So good news, though, is that thus far the bill doesn't currently have a sponsor in the state assembly, and thus far it has no chance of moving forward. Now the problem is that in this day and age, with a huge majority in the state Senate, this bill may very well get a sponsor. And if it does get legs, then again, if you're going to be purchasing a firearm in the near future after this law is passed, you're going to have to hand over that information potentially in order to acquire your firearm. This is an insane invasion of privacy. It has no merit. It's not like you're going into the store and they're not running a background check. They're not trying to see if you might be a little off and doing what they can to make sure that, you know, a firearm that can obviously inflict lethal force isn't put into the wrong hands. But that said, we cannot give in to this. And we got to make sure, again, that in 2020, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, not just in this episode, but in future episodes, we have to come out and vote. All right. There are four million. Even if you're a one issue voter, I don't recommend it. Joy Behar might be. <laughs> and we all know about her. But if you're going to be a one issue voter on just having your gun rights, I mean, obviously, the SAFE Act was enacted prior to the last election for governor and you know the state Senate. They're looking on a SAFE Act, too. That's going to make it even more restrictive. And now this. So this is going to eat, throw another damper onto your ability to get it. Now, some people might say, eh, I'm nothing to hide, whatever, give it over. No, you're giving the state and local governments more and more power over you by doing this. You're a sane person. You've gone through a verified background check. 
you paid the money for your firearm, that should be the end of it. There doesn't have to be this extensive look. And just because terrible shootings have happened and people like the Pittsburgh shooter were posting on social media leading up to the event what they were going to do, I'm pretty sure you would be flagged because again, these social media platforms, these search engines, they track everything. They have a dossier on you, all your friends, all your family, all your coworkers, all your neighbors. They have a dossier on anyone who uses the internet and trying to obviously make money on you. They hand this information over to marketing companies so they know what types of paid ads to put in front of you and you specifically. And they also have this available for law enforcement so that if you're ever involved in something, truth be told, for example, and I'm not doing this, so I hope Secret Service doesn't mind up my door, but if somebody says something about trying to assassinate the president, then, you know... <laughs> then obviously you're going to have secret service at your door in 48 hours or less, making sure that you're not an actual threat. So if you can already have that happen, this doesn't need to go into effect. This is just uh, another strict statewide example of government overreach that really needs to end. Now, on top of that, New York City has had a couple of, well, New York State, I'll go into a state issue and then we're going to go into a city issue. So in New York State, we've passed minimum wage laws for Lyft and Uber drivers. And this, in turn, is going to hike up costs to riders. And this is according to uh, Reason, which is a you know, conservative-slash-libertarian uh, publication. So the new rules, you know, the first citywide regulations in the nation, were passed Tuesday. So this past Tuesday, which was December 4th. And they're expected to go into effect in mid-January. So it hasn't happened yet, but it's happening very, very, very soon. They would give drivers for these services, so Uber, Lyft, whatever, a minimum hourly wage of $17.22 after expenses. So I'm going to go into a few issues that the writer of the article I found said, which I think are true. And then I'm going to give you a perspective from a business owner because I own two businesses. I'm involved in I'm a partnership for a third so I know a lot about business. I know a good, you know, I'm not an expert by any means about the tax code or finance, but I know enough where I can explain to you why this is a bad idea. But to get into the author's points first, about 96% of the city's 80,000 drivers who work for ride-sharing services would get a raise of about $10,000 a year on average which was according to the New York City Tax and Limousine Commission. Uh, congestion may get worse as a result of this because the formula that they're using to increase um, this is going to hike up fares, which because you know minimum per trip formula, there's going to be more congestion because drivers, instead of obviously right now, you go to ride-sharing thing, Uber or Lyft, or even if you do get a taxi cab in New York City, and let's say you're too you're drunk to take a train or you drove into the city, but you're too drunk to get home, but you need to get home. They're going to be willing to drive you out to Long Island, to Westchester, to New Jersey, wherever you are, because that means more money for them. Um, but if they're going to be getting this hourly wage, no matter what, it disincentivizes them from making those longer trips. So as a result, they may be more open to making shorter trips. And this can lead to congestion and highly um, congested areas as, as things are right now. So obviously these are not good things. I want to talk about this from a business perspective too, because again, I am a business owner and I understand how business finance works. So if you're increasing an hourly wage for an employee, so obviously Lyft, Uber, all these, you know, even the taxi companies, if you're increasing their hourly wages, wages to employees are an expense to the company. 
So very simply put, your total revenue, so the money you bring in, minus your expenses, equals your profit. All right. So obviously, Uber Lyft are doing pretty well. Um, and they're profitable because they offer a service that is very quick and easy. You have a couple taps on an app, and boom, you have somebody coming to pick you up in a clean vehicle. These people have been vetted. Well, at least they're vetted more so now than they used to be. But these people have been vetted. These drivers have ratings. And you can decide if a lowly rated driver is coming out to get you. You can say, actually, I don't. Well, you can cancel the fare and you can go to somebody else. But long story short, if revenue minus expenses equals profit. So if you're making the same revenue, but your expenses increase because you have to increase your wages to your workers, that means your profit's going to go down. So the only way to maintain the profit to expense ratio is to increase your revenue as well. And since Lyft, Uber, and all these different things, essentially it's the same service, it's just contingent on how far or how short the ride is, they're going to increase the cost of a trip, whether it's a short trip or a longer trip, to offset the increase in cost associated with paying their drivers. This is a terrible business decision. People like Uber and Lyft and, and even taxis in some parts of the city and some parts of the state because they're affordable and they're, they're well worth it to them. But if it becomes not affordable, look at the MTA and the issues they're having. The MTA obviously needs to raise their rates. Uh, they don't have enough to pay their employees. They've got lines going down. They've got trains that need to be decommissioned. And they don't have the money to fix any of the subway tunnels. You know, it's bad how that is. And it's because a lot of people, they go up in arms and they riot and they say, you know, well, they don't riot, but you know what I mean. A lot of public outrage about, damn, they're raising the fee again for the subway, for the Long Island Railroad, for whatever. Not good. So if the same thing happens to Uber and Lyft, and to these taxi companies, these people are left with a pickle. Now, they're probably still going to go with Uber and Lyft and taxis over the MTA because the MTA continues to cut um, its schedule in terms of the number of trains, buses, whatever that it's offering. Uh, and, and they're not reliable. They're not timely. They're not punctual anymore. I've, I've been on the train a few times, Long Island Railroad, and even subways in the last year. And they, they've had a lot of late trains. And not just by a few minutes. We're talking about... 30 minutes, an hour, and for people who are trying to get somewhere in a punctual manner, they actually plan their trip out to be screwed over that badly, um, not a good thing. So we need to get this under control, and unfortunately, this is something that's going to hinder a lot of people, and it's going to raise rates. It's just basic economics. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. So if you live in and around the city, and you take taxis, or you take Uber and Lyft, Get ready for a stark increase in your, uh, in your fare, whether it's a short or a long trip in the not-too-distant future. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today is that the city wants to pass a law that promotes affirmative consent before, quote-unquote, and I'm quoting an article here, sexy pics are sent. So, everyone's are dick pics and terrible things like that. It's one thing if you're dating a guy or a gal and you, you two like to send erotic pictures to each other, that's fine. But apparently on the rise in and around the city are people using AirDrop, which is a you know, capability through Apple devices to send unwanted, unsolicited dick pics and things of that nature. And this, 
This bill, introduced by Councilman Joseph, uh, Joseph Borelli, um, will prohibit these unsolicited disclosures of intimate images. And now, at, initially, you would think that this isn't a bad thing because it would be a misdemeanor offense. Um, it's already punishable to do this in public, to just drop trow and show off your junk in public. So um, you would think that maybe that would apply there. And it, and it does, actually. If you actually read the laws specific to these instances, um, let, let me get to this part of the article here that goes into that. Um, you know, yeah, so, so sending sexually explicit images, quote, with intent to harass, annoy, or alarm could already be prosecuted under another statute, provided there actually is evidence of harassing or threatening intent. So if person A, who person, you know, let's say person B is the recipient of an unwanted image. If person B doesn't know person A, and it can be traced to person A, then there are already statutes and laws in place to incriminate person A because they are harassing somebody in a sexual nature that is completely unwanted. Fine, that's reasonable. But this is just another law on top of another law. And Evans talked about this in the past when it comes to texting and driving. There should be one law, which is if you look at your phone for any reason while you're in an automobile and an officer sees you, you're going to be pulled over, you're going to receive a ticket of X number of dollars. And that's that. And it could be Y number of points on your license. Okay. But there's a million laws staying the same thing. You can't use Bluetooth and talk to people now. You can't text and drive specifically. You can't use a GPS on your phone while you're driving. Like There's a whole bunch of laws that have been added on top of this. It's one thing to make one statute a little more specific and all-encompassing, just adding to it at using examples such as that. So saying, you know, on top of the statutes that are already in place for showing off your genitals or other areas of your body in public, it would behoove them to say, too, this will include, if it isn't limited to, yada, 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 what's already in there, and in addition, sending unsolicited images to passersby who happen to have airdrop or who you're able to acquire their phone number or their Wi-Fi for whatever the reason. So something about this, too, that I want to point out is that you can turn all of these things off. So I have an iPhone. You can turn off AirDrop when you're in an area that you don't want to receive anything unsolicited. I've never in my life received anything unsolicited. Maybe it's because I'm a guy, and guys are a lot more scuzzy than women, so you'll think that a guy is going to send a dick pic to a female, and I'm probably not going to be the recipient of that, which, thank God. But that, that being said, you can turn off AirDrop. If you're getting texts from an unwanted number. I get this all the time. And it's and again, these aren't sexual texts, but I get texts from like health insurance companies and, and, and BS, just, just spammers and telemarketers and things like that. I block the number. It takes two seconds. You go to the info button on top of the number and you block the number. Very simple. Then you're never going to receive images from this person again. Same with email. Depending on the email service you use, you can block a certain sender from sending you anything if they're continually sending you spam, junk, or in this case, their actual junk, pictures of their actual junk. So this is just an unnecessary statute. Again, it's coming from a good place. And this seems to be the revolving theme of the day. The left and a lot of their policies seem to come from a good place. They want to make society better. And they think that by strengthening local, state, and federal government and adding restrictions on our lives, that that's going to be the case, making us depend on the government teat. 
That's not how this country was designed to work. We can take precautions to make sure that these things don't happen to us. Unfortunately, there's a lot of scumbags out there. Whether we go back to the gun issue earlier in terms of them going through your social media and stuff, there are people that are going to slip through the cracks. I'm still willing to bet that if they enact that in the state, if that bill gets legs, that there are going to be killers and shooters. And by the way, New York does not have a lot of killings and shootings compared to a lot of other states. But even so, I'm willing to bet that eventually a, a shooter will pass the ver- already in place verified background check. He's, he or she's going to pass, usually a he, social media and search engine background checks, and they're going to get their firearm and they're going to use it for evil. It's going to happen. It's just, it's inevitable. It's unfortunate. And that's a societal issue that cannot be fixed by legislation. It cannot be fixed by government. We have to start having a conversation about all of these things and really start to try and better the individuals and start trying to better our society. Doing that through more government, through more legislation is not going to work. The laws in place right now are fine. (laughs) In fact, in many cases, they're already extremely restrictive. Adding more caveats, adding a higher minimum wage, drive up costs artificially and politically is not a good business strategy. It's not a good idea and it does not benefit the citizens. Ultimately, it takes more money out of people's pockets when they're already paying too much money in taxes to the local, state, and federal governments. So please, stop the nonsense. And to repeat something that I will continue to repeat again, we have to get out in 2020. I'm going to keep bringing state issues and federal issues to your attention. I was going to go into something about the the national debt and good things that the president is doing and bad things that the president is doing. We're going to go into that on another show. We don't have enough time left for that. But I'm going to keep bringing these things to the forefront here. And the reason being is that we did not show up in the last election, particularly here locally and at the state level. Andrew Cuomo should not be our governor. A lot of the people who are elected to the state legislature should not be in the state legislature. And yes, were there things like election fraud in some instances going on on our side? Sure. And there are bad apples in every bunch. It doesn't matter. But we need to retake the state. We started the Empire State Conservative Network because we are tired. We are sick and tired of how the state's being run, of year after year having more restrictions and more money coming out of our paychecks, making it more difficult for us to practice our inalienable rights, which are guaranteed to us in the Bill of Rights. So we need to get out there. We need to vote. We need to stand up for something. I know that one of the reasons that we did in the last election, on top of just believing that the state's going to go blue anyway, was that we don't have real GOP Republican people in, you know, running for state Senate and, and for different areas of you know, state and local law, which is true. We, we really don't. A lot of them are establishment neocons who are not going to further our agenda in any way. And, and we talked about this leading up to the election. Even Mark Molinaro, the number, the runner up for a governor, um, he was behind helping initiate the SAFE Act. He pushed it through. He was part of the state legislature that pushed it through per Cuomo's direction. So, and he didn't raise nearly as much money as Cuomo. Now, Cuomo's been in office for a long time. He has a lot more connections than Molinar or any, others, any of these other people. Fine. But t- we need to get some real red folks in here who are going to shake things up and fix things, or unfortunately, we're going to continue to see the deterioration of our state, which is not what we want. So guys, if you enjoyed the episode, 
uh, whether you're listening to this on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, you're watching on YouTube, or you're watching the Facebook group, you know, like it, share it, and leave a review. We would love to hear your feedback on the episode, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're always trying to improve the quality, make it better for you. And I've said this on the last show when I was with Evan, and I'll say it again. If you're going to find it in your heart with the holidays coming around the corner to donate, we have a couple of monthly donations, $5, $10, $20 a month. Depending on which one you do, you get different perks. You can check all of that out. And you can also make a one-time donation at empirestateconservativenetwork.com forward slash donate. That link's going to be in the uh, in the description below for this video. But please, if you're liking the content, if you really want to get out there and make a difference in 2020 and going forward for a state, we all live here. We love New York, but it's going to crap. It's not just the city that's going to crap. Long Island is going to crap. Westchester is going to crap. Central and upstate New York are going to crap. Eastern and western New York are going to crap because of poor legislation. Continue to elect these scumbags who do not have our best interests at heart, most of them do, and some of the ones who do, who are leftists, they don't understand the, the consequences of their policy because they don't look back at history and their feelings are more important than facts. We're the opposite. We use facts and we make these decisions dispassionately and we take the power away from the state, local, and federal governments. And in doing so, we'll be able to get the state back on track and hopefully one day get the country back on track as well. So that's it for today, guys. Again, this is Pete signing off for Empire State Conservative Network. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Evan and Justin will be coming at you with episodes in the next 48 hours. Have a good one. It's Evan with Empire State Conservatives Network. Just a reminder to check us out on our website at empirestateconservativenetwork.com or Patreon at patreon.com slash empirestateconservativenetwork. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Empire State Conservatives. On Twitter at Empire State Cons. Instagram at Get Red Pilled NY. And on YouTube. Make sure that if you like our stuff, to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.